<laughs> I tell you what, this is a bit humbling. Uh, guys, I just want to say thank you for your prayers. Uh, you know, I've had so many encouraging messages during this week and your prayers. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Nick and the, and the team as well for giving me the opportunity. You know, every time I come into the house, it's always a privilege. It is, you know, to be called a child of God, to come to this house and we're free to worship. But today I'm humbled, I must say. So thank you, thank you. But um, to all the fathers in the house, happy Father's Day. Amen? Amen, amen. Okay, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. All right, fathers. But you know what? It's our day. Well, let's give the shout out to the mothers as well in the house. You know, without mothers, there are no fathers. So, you know, mothers, we salute you as well. You know, actually, do you know what? I remember Mother's Day this year, and we celebrated um, Mother's Day here at BCC, right? And every mother got, like, this, uh, this pebble. Do you remember that? This pebble, it was all nice and shiny and smooth. But actually, it had a really encouraging word on there. And I love, I love the, the, the ethos behind it and the thought and the heart behind it. But I remember my wife, she brought hers um, home, and I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, that's really nice, but I'm hoping on Father's Day we get something a bit more manly. You know? Something like a garden shovel, you know? The garden shovel I've got at home is a bit rusty, and it's kind of lost its cutting edge. I could do with a garden shovel, right? But you know what? This morning, you have me. But you also have the Word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, let alone a shovel. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So just to give you a little bit about me, um, I have two beautiful daughters, and they're 10 and 5. Uh, they get their beauty from their mom, and um, I have to say that, but it's true. It is true. Um, you know, I'm blessed enough to have a father, and we're quite close, and um, he's always been present. Uh, we have a really good conversations, a really good advisor, a really sad advisor as well. And whenever I need help with building stuff, he's always there to help, and stuff like that. Um, I've had the privilege as well of knowing my two grandfathers, and they're not here anymore, but uh, whilst they were here, it was a privilege to know them. And actually, on my father's side, I got to know my great-grandfather for a period of time, and that was a real blessing. That was a real, real blessing. But you know what? As I say these things, I'm conscious that not everyone on live stream or everyone in the house has had that. You know, I'm conscious that some people who may not have a positive relationship with their father, and there's some people who maybe their father's never been on the scene. And you know what? There's some people who may have lost their father. I'm conscious, well actually, do you know what, I'm going to say, every man in this room, I consider to be my brother. I may not know all of you by name, but you are my brother. Every woman in this room, I consider to you, you to be my sister. But actually, there are some men in this room that I consider to be a spiritual father. Especially over the last couple of years, have absolutely blessed me with their testimonies and their positive affirmations and their encouragements you know, and their experience. I encourage you, whether you have an earthly father or not, go and seek out a spiritual father in the house. Do it. To all the spiritual fathers in the house, and there's so many of you here and on live stream, go and seek out people who'd really benefit from your wisdom and your encouragement and your knowledge. It would be benefit to you, to them, to our church, to their families. And you know what? It's things like this that further unites our church and it allows the Holy Spirit to just move amongst us and strengthen us and be even more fruitful than we are at the moment. Can I hear an amen to that? 
Amen. Okay. Let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. So, yeah, we're currently in the sermon series called The Last Supper. And, you know, Jesus has taken the disciples away from the crowds and the business of life. It's been really good over the last couple of months, actually, learning about how, you know, when God, well, Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and uh, it's turned them whole, the whole thing about servanthood. We've learned about how Jesus has told the disciples, taught the disciples how to love each other, how God has loved them. Taught us that as well. But you know what? He's also been very frank. You know, he's identified Judas as being his uh, betrayer. And he's also told Peter that he will deny him three times before he passes. He really wants the disciples to get some key points before he leaves the earth in his human flesh. It's a really critical time. And you know, as I've, been, as I've been studying and praying about this, and I've been searching the Word in these passages, I've been looking at how the Father relates to Jesus and how the Father is intertwined in all these passages. And there's three things that really stood out to me. The first thing is that God loves to commune. He really does. The second thing is that God, our Father, will need to prune. And the third thing is that God, our Father, our Father God, absolutely dreams for us to bloom. He really does. Say it with me, come on. First thing, commune. Prune. Bloom. Amen, you're with me, it's great. Okay, so let's get into this. I'm going to take it up from John 14, verses 1 to 11, and it reads, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Do you know, when I first read this, and I've read it over and over, my first thoughts was like, oh, Philip, oh, this is harsh. You know, how is it we have a man here, right, that has walked with Jesus for three years of his ministry, he's ate with him, he's chilled with him, he's joked with him, He's seen the parable, he's seen, heard the parables, he's seen the miracles firsthand. And yet when it comes to this point, he says, okay, show us the Father then. And Jesus is like, really? How is it that Philip, after three years of being with Jesus, completely misses the point? But you know, I say, oh, Philip, 
And I look at myself and go, oh, Phil. You know, maybe it's a Phil thing, I don't know. <laughs> you know, just to give you a bit of background to my mornings, right? So what I try to do, I try to stay, I try to stay a bit healthy. And so I go to the gym first thing in the morning. And what I try to do is go at the crack of dawn before my girls and my wife have got up. And the thought behind this is that I could do that, have a workout, go home, have time with Jesus, read the word, and do all that before my children and my wife gets up. So then I can be the dutiful father and the dutiful husband and help out with the morning duties. That's a sound plan, right, fellas? That sounds good, doesn't it, fellas? Come on. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, that's like a sound plan. Yeah. I get time for myself, I get time with Jesus and the Lord, and I get time with my family, sound plan. But in theory, actually, I came up from the gym and I felt a bit lethargic. I was tired. You know, I was, commun- I was talking to God, but I was tired. And I also had one eye on what I was going to do after prayer with my kids, getting them ready, giving them breakfast and all the rest of it. And the fact of the matter is, anything that God wanted to tell me, there was every chance I might have missed it. You know, I'm old enough, right, to, um, and I don't know, I know I'm not as old as I'm saying I am, but uh, I'm, I'm old enough to remember a time before, like, mobile phones, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, all oh, right, I look young, don't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember, it seemed like before, like, all that stuff, like, the communication seemed to really matter a bit more, there was more depth to it, there was more meaning to it, right? So I remember, for example, as a 16-year-old kid, I was finally out of the house by myself, so I'd go meet with my cousin, who was, like, my best friend, and I would say to him, and I'd be on the house phone, and I had like five minutes maximum because the parents would be like, Philip, come off the phone, you don't pay for the phone bill, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, right? So I had five minutes. Because meet me in town for 12, meet me at this meeting point, don't be late, because I can't speak to you again. And after this time, you know, I can't speak to you, so I'm going to be waiting, don't be late. I had to be really intentional and purposeful with what I was saying to my cousin. Time moved on, I went away to university, you know, and mobile phones were a thing back then, but I still have letters, right, that I received from friends who would write to me, and I would write to them. I've still got those letters. When you read them, every word counted. Now, not so much. You know, in the world of, like, texting and social media and WhatsApp, there's every chance with me that I might miscommunicate my tone of voice the depth of what I'm trying to say, the pause, the interpretation of what I say. And you know what? There's every chance that this can creep into our, wa- our walking and our talking with Christ. Let us be on guard with that. Because the God wants to share stuff with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to abide with you. He wants to share stuff with you. It's a bit more than communicating and surface level stuff. So let's not be like Philip or the old Philip. And let's be more intentional with our communion with God. Say it with me, commune. Commune. Okay. You know, in my life group, um, there's nine of us. And um, we're all brothers. And actually, we've got this one guy in there who I consider to be a spiritual father. And I won't out him, because I outed him in the first service. I won't do it second service. I won't. And, um, and one thing he shared with us, right, uh, was that when he, what, happens, what happens for him is that as soon as he gets up, he communes with God, you know, he goes downstairs, he prays, he reads the word, and he communes with God. And that way, he gets to block out the things of this world straight away before they enter his, into his psyche. And he calls this his first fruit. 
And I thought, do you know what, that sounds a bit interesting. I'm going to give that a go. So what I do now is that rather than go to the gym in the morning, I go on my lunch break if I can, or I go after, after my daughters have gone to sleep. And that way, when I get up, I go straight into communion with God. You know, I know how I feel, I go straight into communion with God. And that way, I get to block out uh, the things of this world that are creeping into my head before, you know. And that really works for me. And that's not to say that this is a pattern that you must follow. The heart behind this is that we need to be more intentional with God. You have to do what works for you and your timetable, but let's be more intentional with our communion with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so on this first thing, on this Father's Day, is that the Father loves to commune. The second thing is, the Father will need to prune. Okay, so I've got um, a garden. I've been living at my house for the last 13 years. And when I moved into my house, there was just like a bush and a tree. Uh, if the media team could show the first photo, please, that'd be great. And now, after 13 years, actually, we've got um, trees, we've got uh, bushes, we've got perennial flowers, um, we've got pots of strawberries in, we've got a banana palm. And, you know, um, in the spring, like, hundreds of daffodils come up and tulips come up and then they die, they die down. And in the summer, uh, we have, like, wildlife borders. And I say wildlife borders, but it's just the bits I don't cut and they just grow wild. It's a wildlife border, though. And actually, the crown, I think the, crew, the crown of the jewel, the jewel's crown in the garden is actually, um, uh, there's a vine, a grapevine to the left. So behind this tree, there's a grapevine. You probably can see some bamboo sticks on the left. And this, and this vine, this grapevine, is about four meters high, and it runs about four meters the length of the garden. That's my height, and it runs about four meters the length of the garden. And I've done all this with some guidance from a guy who's a hero of mine, uh, is a national treasure, TV presenter extraordinaire, is a gardener, and it's not Alan Tishmarsh, it's a guy called Monty Don. Does anyone know Monty Don? Yeah. Any gardeners in the house? Yeah, yeah a, few, a few. Okay, a few. Um, and what he's done is that he communicates really well. You know, um, just think like, you know, over every week on a show called Gardener's World, he will share with thousands of people, maybe even millions of people across the UK, but actually, it feels like he's talking to just you. And I think the reason why he's a hero of mine is because he reminds me of my dad, who, when I was a child, he like cut a third of our garden into allotment. Or my granddad, my dad's dad, who is, is from Jamaica, and he had acres of farmland in which we called the bush. And you know, they both communicated to me how, you know, when I should plant seeds, when I should sow them, when I should water, when I should clear for the next harvest. Who reminds me of them? But you know what? Even though they're absolutely brilliant communicators and teachers, Jesus, by, by far, is the master of this. You know, do you agree with me, brethren? There are times when you're reading the same scripture over and over again, but you get little points, and they're all little different points. It's definitely the Holy Spirit speaking. In John 15, verses 1 to 8, so we've moved on from Philip's misguidedness, and Jesus continued to provide his disciples with precious words and teachings. And it reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you uh, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You 
other branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. They are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask for what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be, but will be, you will be my disciples. Um, at Pastor Nick's induction, uh, one of the things he said to me, well, one of the things he said to the church, and he said this quite a few times, and it's really resonated with me, is that he wants this church, he would love for this church to be a high bearer of fruit. Who's up for that? I'm up, I'm up for that. I am up for that. Imagine that as a church, we become so fruitful and such a blessing to our communities more than we are so now. I mean, it's happening now, but there are greater heights and there are deeper depths. There's absolutely no limits. And when you really think about it, it's actually really exciting. But Jesus made it very clear that one condition of, being, of bearing fruit in a Christian life is the painful process of pruning in which the Father cuts away what is useless or stops us from being fruitful. Just as our, our, our um, laws of nature like gravity, so it is in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm. Pruning precedes fruit bearing. So, okay, so talk about my garden. In my garden, uh, we have this grapevine. Uh, when I bought it from Wilco's, it was in a small pot. Uh, about 10 years ago, and we uh, prepared the soil, and we planted it in the right place, and we put it in the ground. And 13 years later, it's as tall as me, and it runs four meters, etc., etc. And what it does, it provides us with thousands of grapes every year, literally thousands. It's fantastic. But what was happening is, was every harvest, um, my grapes wouldn't grow. In fact, it was like more seed than grape. I couldn't work out what was going on. And I remember there was one, um, one week where I watched this episode of Gardener's World and my hero, Monty Don, was on there. And he's talking about grapes. And what he said, actually, is that you have to strategically cut two-thirds of your crop gone. <gasps> two-thirds of your crop. And you know, this grapevine is like the cruel in my gut, jewel in my garden. There's no way I can cut back two-thirds of my crop. And I didn't do it. And for those years... The grapes never, ever grew. is more seed than grape. And I remember there was one year, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to cut back a third. I'll cut back a third. And I did it. And then come harvest, actually, they were a bit bigger. Not quite supermarket size, but they're a bit bigger. And, you know, it's, it's only now that I've plucked up the courage now to cut back two thirds and come harvest. You know, have you got the other photo you can put up, actually? Uh, this, is, this is me cutting back about a, about a fifth, a fifth. I'm crying at this point because it looks really harsh and I've got to cut back, cut down like hundreds of grapes. I've got to text down some of the leaves as well so the sun can get to the grapes and it breaks my heart. But then come harvest, the grapes are really, really juicy. There's still hundreds of them and they look great. They look really good. Personal godliness is God's primary goal for each and every one of us. And while pruning can seem severe, even painful at times, it is necessary. 
as without pruning, we bear little fruit. You know, one of the great privileges of church is that even though the Christian walk is very personal, we get to do life with each other. So even right now, you can look around, you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you've got spiritual fathers, you've got spiritual mothers. You can share with the pain of the pruning process. They really can. And I'm so grateful for avenues that we have at BCC. We've got like, um, we've got B1, we've got like life groups, we've got every woman. What else we got? What else we got? Um, purpose, we heard the announcements. So many great things that allows us to really commune with each other, like really commune with each other, where people can be there with you in the great times, in the fantastic times, but also in the pruning process. And do you know what? I encourage you to get involved in one of these groups. You know, I, I only joined a life group at the beginning of this year, and it's really helped me. These nine brothers, or eight brothers and their spiritual father, have really helped me on my spiritual walk like no other. I encourage you to get involved in one of these groups. It would be a real benefit to you. Even if to volunteer, sign up. It's a great way to connect in to the family of God. Amen? Amen. So firstly, the Father loves to commune. Secondly, the Father will need to prune. But thirdly, the Father, our Heavenly Father, dreams for us to bloom. If we are interested in the abundant life that God has promised, relating to the Holy Spirit is essential. Now think about all that I've said this morning already, right? And think about all the sermons on the Last Supper series and all the sermons that you've ever heard. If you try within your own strength to follow these um, teachings, you will fail, ultimately. You might have some short-term success, but ultimately you will fail. It's impossible. And that's why Jesus has sent us as a helper, our guide. The Holy Spirit, a person, sent not only to glorify Christ, but also to be our counsellor, our advocate, our defender. Sent not only to advise us and guide us, but give us the words that we can advise and, and guide others. We need God's power, which is available to everybody in this room. As we yield, moment by moment, day by day, to the Holy Spirit, who was sent by Christ to empower us as we walk along this Christian journey. The last scripture I want to leave you with is from John 17, where Jesus is praying to God. So in verses 1 to 5, he prays for himself. In verses 6 to 19, he prays for the disciples. And 20 to 26, he prays for us as believers. You know, I would say most of Jesus' ministry deals with bringing peace and harmony to situations where there isn't any. He removed the barrier between God and us. He, taught, he taught the disciples how to break down barriers in relationships, to create peace, to forgive each other, and love each other as God loves us. But as he, as he comes towards the end of his life in the flesh on earth, John 17, records, John 17 records his prayer, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one. Jesus here focuses on unity and oneness. And what is a vital point in time 
Imagine, he knows that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be crucified. But instead, still, instead of just praying for himself and the disciples, he thinks about us, and we don't even exist yet. Imagine that. It's remarkable. It really is remarkable when you think about it. But then when you think, why? Why pray for us, Lord? Because I believe one of the strongest demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power in the lives of imperfect Christians is being part of one body. And that this unity demonstrated in a church is one of the most powerful statements of the love of God on the planet. And Jesus knew that. At that time, he knew that. And he wanted to pray for us. Can I ask the worship team to come up with me, please? Is that okay? One of the most exciting passages of the Bible for me personally is Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost. And it comes down on the disciples, and the disciples go out and speak to the crowd. But actually, it's Peter that goes to speak to the crowd. And he's got this boldness, and the Holy Spirit is moving. And, you know, people are added to the church daily, and they're sharing with each other, and they're praying with each other, and they're going into the temple courts with each other every day. And every, everyone had something in common. You know, there's even people, right, who would sell their possessions and their properties to give money to people in need. Think of that. That's absolutely amazing. And the Holy Spirit was just moving in power amongst them, and the church was just growing and growing and growing. Fantastic miracles, awesome wonders, and all the people were amazed. They were absolutely amazed. Do you know, Acts 2, if you need to know what God dreams for us, as a church to bloom, it's right there in Acts 2. It's really exciting. I'm trying to contain my excitement, but it's really exciting. It's next level, high-bearing fruit. They were devoted to the gospel. They stood side by side with each other. They encouraged each other. They shared testimonies. They were truly brothers and sisters in Christ. There were spiritual fathers. There were spiritual mothers for those who didn't have an earthly father. And they met each other every day and the Holy Spirit was moving amongst them and their church grew and it grew and it grew. Can you all stand with me, please? Can you all stand? And say it with me, come on. Commune. Prune. Bloom. On this Father's Day, let us truly commune with the Father. Not as the world does it, you know, with their phone, send. No, let's be truly intentional with our communion with God because He wants to abide with us. He absolutely loves to abide with you. He wants to commune with you, not just communicate, which is fine. He wants to commune with you. Let's allow the Father to work as the gardener in our lives to prune so that we as a church, as individuals, we will become even more fruitful. Let's go from this. And this is a branch I've cut from my garden. Obviously, it's not harvest yet. And you know, if we were like this as a church on this branch, we could say, yeah, we've been fruitful. There's grapes on there. They're really small. We've been fruitful. And God would still be pleased with us because we're fulfilling our, our duty. But actually... He dreams for us to be like this. 
next level high bearing fruit. He really does. So let's respond to the Father's hopes and dreams for us to bloom, just like the early church did in Acts, by being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. And let's gather together more in unity. Fathers in the house, happy Father's Day. Brothers, sisters, family, because you are my family, God bless you, and I hope the word really inspires and encourages and blesses you. Amen.